You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, Phantomaniacs, welcome to the 44th episode of the Needless Things podcast. 44 episodes, that's wacky. I still haven't posted the first episode like I promised I was going to. I'm getting there. I'm busy. I've got a lot going on. Uh, There's been so much going on that today's episode was supposed to be recorded early in December. I think the first date we had scheduled was the 13th. And we pushed it back because I had technical difficulties. Then we pushed it back again because Ryan uh, had a work thing. And then, I mean, it just kept getting pushed back because it's the holidays and there's so much going on. And it's not so much that there are specific issues. It's just that, like any other time, the work thing, okay, we'll do it when we're done with that. Or the computer is messed up, I'll get on another computer or something like, but it's just, there's already so much other stuff going on that it's like, you know what? That's the one, the one thing too many. That is the straw. This camel is fucked. So you just are like, fuck it. I can't do this. It's not happening. Uh, So you put it off and and we put it off a long time. And the reason I am telling you this is because the original intent of this episode was to be a sort of discussion of the first half of the seasons of all the comic book shows right now. Uh, Arrow and Flash and Gotham and Constantine and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Carter hadn't happened yet. Uh, the Netflix stuff hadn't really materialized quite as much as it has now. So I'm talking about the Marvel Netflix stuff. So we were going to do, you know, when the mid-season break happened, we were going to do up until now how the shows are doing in each of their respective seasons or whatever. And then, you know, here's what's what will happen when we come back. Well, now the shows are already back. But the nature of the episode kind of changed to where we didn't get as specific. We more discussed the shows in general. Uh, so I, th- I think it'll still be relevant. If we did the same show we were going to do on December 13th, it wouldn't be as relevant because stuff's already come back. And I'm, you guys know, you guys listening to this know things that I don't know right now uh, because the shows are on. I haven't even watched this week's Gotham yet because, again, time. Just haven't had time. I had to take a defensive driving class this morning, so I couldn't stay up late last night. Uh, it's Tuesday right now. And uh, defensive driving. I don't even have to know how to drive a car to do my job. I could literally be dropped off at work every shift and do my job just fine. Uh but we, and I'm sure it's because the company gets a discount if everybody is qualified and taking a defensive driving class or whatever. Uh But it was a pain in my ass, and it took away my Monday night and my Tuesday morning. Although, to be honest, uh, the the class was from 8 until noon, and 
I'm not a morning guy on my days off. I get up at 3.30 in the morning on days where I have to work. But uh, on my days off, you know, if I'm up by 11, I'm doing pretty good for me. So, honestly, I didn't miss that much of my Tuesday morning, but I definitely lost about, you know, five, six hours of, of productivity off my Monday night. Productivity or hanging out with, uh, with with the wife, which is also productive. Which, by the way, before I get any further, uh, I really quick want to mention Gone Girl which we watched together Sunday night. The wife was really excited about seeing it. She's read the book. Uh, I have not. Uh, I was excited about seeing it because it's David Fincher, and I love David Fincher. So I went ahead and got the movie because they do this stupid thing now where On Demand is one week it comes out for you to buy, and then two weeks later, it comes out on Blu-ray for you to buy. And then two weeks after that, you can rent it on demand. Like, there's all these stupid new steps of watching something on demand that didn't used to be there. So we were going to watch it last Tuesday, and it's, it wasn't available to rent yet. So I was like, you know what? I'll just buy it. It's David Fincher. I, I love everything that he's done. I, even Alien 3, which granted the studio... You know, apparently chopped to pieces, but I still like that movie, man. I liked it when I saw it in the theater. Uh, I like it for different reasons now. I recognize some of its flaws, but also it's just a, a gritty, dark, very, I, it still feels like a David Fincher movie to me. So anyway, uh, I bought it and we sat down and watched it and I had no idea what it was about. All I knew was that Ben Affleck was in it and I went in w- with really no expectations. Uh, and I, I loved it, man. I really liked it. And the good thing is there's a twist, but I figured the twist out, uh, before it was revealed and the movie was still really good. It wasn't like the sixth sense where I figured that thing out, you know, four minutes in and, and it made the movie worthless to me. I understand some people still dig that movie. Uh, I, I don't, and I never did, but this one gone girl, the act of the cast was incredible. Uh, I've got to give big props to Rosamund Pike for playing a, a, pure psycho it was great to see kim dickens in a big role uh, ben affleck was fantastic and tyler perry was great i i've uh you know obviously tyler perry movies are not directed at me i'm not his demographic but you know he does what he does he does his own thing and i didn't really know he could act and he's great i thoroughly enjoyed watching him on the screen man i i, I wish he would do more stuff outside of his Outside of the Perryverse or, or whatever. But uh, but anyway, Gone Girl, uh, thumbs up. Big thumbs up. I can't wait to watch it again. I'm very excited about it. As opposed to what I'm going to be talking about tonight, uh, not on my show, but in nine minutes we're going to be recording the newest Earth Station Who, and our topic is Dalek Invasion of Earth, which I'm not going to be as frank on Earth Station Who as I am right here, but this fucker was tough to get through. <laughs> It's it's six episodes of William Hartnell, and you know I'll tell you guys I, you know how much I love Doctor Who, but Hartnell stories just do not do it for me. I I, I don't know. I mean I know a lot of it's the pacing. Uh, Hartnell himself ranges from likably curmudgeonly to just off putting, uh, and then there are also huge portions of his stories where he's just not around. So, I, I don't know. I, I can't get into a man, and it makes me feel like a bad Whovian, but I, I just, uh, there, I'll lay it out for you guys. I'm a bad Whovian. 
Uh, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Doctor Who. We're not here to talk about Gone Girl. We're here to talk about DC Comics and Marvel Comics on prime time television, baby. And uh, I also want to mention uh, Constantine. We didn't get into details, but Constantine came back with the second part of the the season break, uh, mid-season finale. And it was great, man. Holy shit. They pulled off a fantastic exorcism on primetime TV, 8 o'clock on NBC. They had a great exorcism. They had John Constantine shooting up a buttload of heroin. I mean, it was crazy. And I'm not saying I think it's great that people are doing heroin in primetime television. I don't think it's great. I think it's awful. But uh, that was Hellblazer, man. Before we get to the meat of the show, as it were, I want to remind you that the Needless Things podcast is available from iTunes and from Stitcher, and of course, from NeedlessThingsSite.com, where you can find articles five days out of the week from our cadre of talented writers about toys, movies, music, wrestling, uh, all kinds of pop culture and dorkery. Now, it is time for a new thing here on the podcast. In the past, I have used music from my library of popular tunes and soundtracks to lead us into the main portion of the show. Uh, I am still going to use music, but I have decided this year we are going to start using independent artists and promoting releases from independent labels and to kick things off i have some very good friends of mine some folks i've gotten to know over the past year they play great rock and roll you can find out more about them at radiocult.com and of course go to facebook search for radio cult find their page there give it a like check out some of their tunes and now without further ado here's radio cult with jet blackheart <laughs> I imagine they're going to show all those at Toy Fair next Toy Fair, month. I'm sure. Which, of course, we will be discussing about a month from now on the Needless Things podcast, since we can get down to business now. And the business tonight is talking about superhero comic book stuff on TV. Uh, we've all watched most of it to one degree or another. I think, Jay, you said Arrow, you're not caught up on the current season, except you are, thanks to the curse of social media. Yeah, I've seen some of the bigger stuff, and I'm caught up on Flash, and so there was a the crossover kind of dropped some bombshells. Uh, so I was like, oh, well, that happened. Um, but I'm trying to catch up on Netflix. I'm about uh, halfway through season two. Um, so, you know, I'm about a, a full season behind right now. What, how do you feel about it right now? Um, actually, like it was, uh, you know, when it first came out, uh, it didn't really jump out at me. You know, I was, I never got into Smallville. I think I watched a total of three Smallville episodes, including, uh, the la very last episode. So I wasn't really, you know, uh, high on it. 
But then after right. hearing you guys talking about it, uh, as soon as it hit Netflix, I burned through season one fairly quickly and really, really liked it. Uh, and the only reason I'm so far behind on season two is just there's so much other stuff out there um, that we're watching, and, and, and it's just haven't had time to uh, catch up on that one. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I bet it's really good to binge watch. Uh, we've we watched them, you know, the week at a time as they came out. I'll bet that first season especially is is a good to watch a few at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, like I said, I burned through pretty quickly. You know, watching two or three episodes um, at a, a pop. Um, so I'm looking forward to finishing up season two and then catching up on season three. How do you feel about the way that they're handling the characters and and kind of slowly introducing? More, I, I, gosh, you may not have even really gotten to a whole lot of it, but the, as far as the superheroic elements, the more comic booky stuff. Yeah, I think I'm uh, on the cusp of the comic booky stuff. There's, you know, the season one was fairly self-contained with the uh, the little universe, uh, but now by season three, from what I've seen, I mean they're throwing anything and everything DC in it, um, which is pretty awesome. And uh, I know they crossed over with Flash. Uh, he was on there first before he uh, had his series. And I've been really digging the Flash a lot. Um, I think it's been really great. Yeah, the end of season two of Arrow is when they really started. Like pretty much every episode of the latter half of that season is when you like every single episode you'd have a holy shit they're doing that really type moment. Uh, and it was a pleasant moment as opposed to the ones in Smallville where it was <laughs> holy shit they're doing that. Yeah, I watched the G, uh, JSA episode of Smallville and it was uh, not great. <laughs> um, and then the, uh, the final episode, you know, after not watching the entire series, I watched the final episode just to watch it. And, um, you know, it's like, really, there's eight seasons of this. Uh, this was pre- pretty bad, I thought. Uh, so Arrow has been, uh, definitely a lot better, in my opinion, uh, from the little bit of some small that I saw. I think Arrow's uh, really, uh, done it a lot, uh, better introducing the characters and, you know, being more of a kind of a grounded, um, comic book. Uh, show. What's been interesting to watch on Arrow too, and the creators have talked about this. In that first season, especially the first half of the first season, it definitely has more CW elements, a lot more of the romantic angst kind of stuff. And yeah, the- and the heavy family drama that's not like like the show has tons of family drama throughout. But in the beginning, it was that. Do you trust me? I don't know. Can I trust you like that? that <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was shitty. the whole crux of yeah. it was the, the trusting the family and what secrets lie yeah. beneath the surface and how are you going to, you know, what am I going to do now that I know? Yeah. That stuff's still there, but it's not quite as like flapping your hands around as it was. Like it's, it's much more. The tone is different now than it initially was. Well, and they've said, the creator said in the beginning, they thought they had to be more CW-y. And right. CW said, hey, don't worry about it. Just do what you want to do. And that's when you see that big change in the second half of season one into two that really made the show a lot better. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, don't, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. It was good from I liked the start. It. Yeah. It's just it was good. I think initially it was good for a CW show. Right. Wow, for a CW show, this is really good, and now it's just a great show. Yeah, and it brought America the salmon ladder, which is just genius. <laughs> what I love, I, I would, I would like to argue that uh, American Ninja Warrior or Ninja Warrior brought it first. Uh, they just popularized it. 
Well, do you know yeah. that that wasn't even going to be in the show? And I guess Stephen Amell, that was his like one of his workouts to get ready for the show was this yeah. salmon ladder, and the producers saw him doing it or a video of it, and was like, "We have to put this in the show." And it even got to the point where it was it was it in season two they gave the origin of the salmon ladder, like they showed him on the island like doing it for the first time, like it was a yeah. Big deal. That was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, and it was I mean it was a smart move because that that. You know, that's part of the inception of Stephen Amell's sort of social media genius. You know, we all know at this point that he is either an incredibly great guy or amazingly good at acting like an incredibly great guy, like all the time. Yeah. Because of his social media presence and his promoting the show and his promoting just kind of being a cool dude. Like, that has also, I think, led a lot into the appeal of that show. His whole, uh, he did the fuck cancer campaign. He's always doing, you know, he was one of the first guys to do the ice bucket challenge. He's, he's always on the leading edge of using his celebrity to benefit other people. Yeah, I liked, uh, I saw something where he was standing up for the uh, Flash because he was talking about how the Flash had just, uh, de- uh debuted, yes. had great ratings, and then like a week later they announced the movie Flash, and he was like, you know, that's pretty bull, you know, that's bullshit, uh, DC, you know, you have a great show, and then you, uh, undermine it by announcing the movie, you know, couldn't you have waited a month or something? Yeah, those... I thought that was pretty cool he was standing up for, uh, uh the other TV show. I, I loved that because the, those were the actions of a guy who knows exactly what he's worth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He knows they're not recasting Oliver Queen anytime soon. <laughs> um, now I have a question for Jay. You're about halfway through season two. Yeah. What is your opinion at this point about Laurel? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have one, one way or the other. Uh, um, you know, is she, I guess she's the, trying to be the crime fighter at the DA or where, whatever she's at. Um, so I, I don't have a strong opinion. I, she's not an annoying character to me, uh, yet, but and she's not necessarily a fan favorite either. So she's there. She's, you know, she's fine. Does she get progressively better or worse? I think well, she's gotten better. I remember at that point hating Laurel and wanting yeah. to leave every time she was on the screen. Well, we, you know, we during the first season we hated Tommy. That's so true. Much. He was the the one big negative about the show. Every scene he was in just seemed to drag. He was annoying. He he was just he was that one character that you're just like get the fuck off my screen. And then after he bit it, it's almost like the, those qualities transferred to Laurel a little bit. She became the one that you're like, anytime she's on the screen, the story is dragging. I don't care what she's doing. And I was like, oh, wait, were we wrong? Was she the annoying one? But I think that was all a build up to her. Uh, and you know, Sorry for the spoiler, Jay, but... They're, I think they're building it even now as you're watching, but her, to her addiction problem. I, I think her being unlikable was intentional. I don't think it was the actress just being uninteresting or, or whatever. I really think that was all intentional stuff that we weren't supposed to like that character for the duration of that season. And now in the third season, she's kind of redeeming herself. She's, 
she's still trying to find her way, and she I wouldn't call her likable now, but she has a purpose now, which makes her more understandable than she was. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, now she's training with Wildcat. She knows what she wants to do. She has a little more direction, I think, than she had. Because when Tommy died, that kind of sent her into the the uh, the tailspin, as it were. Yeah. Well, and I got worried when they were going to transition her to Black Canary that she... I mean, they've always kind of shown that she was a fighter. But I got worried that it was just going to be, all right, now I'm Black Canary and I kick right. everybody's ass. And that hasn't right. happened at all. No, it hasn't. She, Which has been good to see. Yeah, she's gotten beat up. She she doesn't know what she's doing. She understands that she's not, like, she's not just going to put the fishnets on and start fighting crime. Yeah. That, which, which, like you said, I was a little concerned that that's where they were headed. But I, I think we're in for a, a long process of that. Mm-hmm. Has she figured out uh, who Ollie is yet? Or is that still uh, kind of a secret? Oh, you know, we, I- have to, we have to ask that every week. We're like, wait. Does her dad know? Does she know? I can't remember. At this point, pretty much everybody knows. <laughs> like, everybody knows. There's always somebody else that finds out. I, I think, I, I mean, they don't come out and say that Detective Lance knows, or knows but he obviously does. Like, He's a detective. Yeah. And just on a side note, it is crazy when that guy shaves his hair how different he looks. Yeah. I remember seeing him at Dragon Con this year and I, it took me a minute. Like he was on the panel and I was like, who is that guy? And then they like <laughs> zoom in and I was like, whoa, he looks like 20 years younger. Yeah. Which is yeah, just a weird, they've done a couple of weird changes in looks in season three. And I don't know if you've noticed me and Kelly think this is hilarious every time they show it, but Thea only wears belly shirts now. It is the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen. I haven't noticed. Oh, uh, you will, you will notice now. <laughs> She's definitely that character now that that they're building. Uh, uh, well, you're not supposed to like her. She's kind of a jerk. She, I mean, they, they've. It's interesting how organically it happens to where you're like, man, I really don't like this person anymore. But it's the story, right? Like it's all intentional, but it's it's there's a subtle touch to that show. Yeah, there really is. And yeah, I mean, it's like with any of these shows, you've got to give it a grain of salt for a lot of things. Like, you know, why are we always at the club? Why are Ollie and all his friends just kind of hanging around and then sneak down the hall to go to the basement? I think that's funny every time it happens. Like yeah, nobody question nobody questions why Diggle is always at club for Dan or whatever it is. Well, it's very back cave. Right. Right. And I like that they've like made comments about like that. They're very good at being tongue in cheek about certain stuff and using Felicity to kind of point out like, all right, some of this stuff is pretty cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. Her, uh, when speaking of the salmon ladder, when he was doing that, uh, right shortly before the mid season break. And, uh, she's like, yeah, that's, that's how I don't get any work done. Right. Now, and then now that we have, Adam, well, he's Ray Palmer at this point. That's the one I'm, I'm watching because the, the rumor is, you know, he's the third show. Yeah, well, I, I read that the other day, and well, here's the thing: it's him or Vixen, I guess, is what it's coming down to, and they're kind of playing both well, out. Vix, to see. Vixen's the animated thing, right? Right. She's going to be the animated, but there's a rumor they're kind of testing to see oh, okay. how stories like that will play out. So here's the interesting question: 
who is going to be the first to get the shrinking man to the screen? Is it going to be Marvel with Ant-Man or is Ray Palmer going to be shown on screen shrinking before then? I think it's got to be Ant-Man. I don't, uh, they haven't, DC hasn't said anything about it in the DC, uh, in the DC universe sort of thing. So I think it'll make it to the TV show, but I don't know if it'll make it to the screen first. No, no, but that's what I'm talking about. The TV show. Cause I mean, at this point, TV and movies are much, uh, you know, for a long, long time, TV was nowhere near as respected as film. Uh, they weren't on the same level. Film actors would not appear on TV for any amount of money for any reason. Now, TV is a much, it's been elevated. It's a much more respected medium. People go back and forth between TV and movies. It's no big deal. Uh, and with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even, you've, it's part of the cinematic universe. So, what I'm saying is if Ray Palmer on Arrow is the shrinking superhero, before Ant-Man makes it to the movie screen, that's going to be an impact on the culture. Yeah. I think we'll see him shrink in two weeks. Yeah, I, I think, think I think you'll see like, the Atom for sure a lot quicker than uh, Ant-Man. I mean, he's... That's interesting. I They've think already with showing the suit and yeah, everything they else. Did, they did already show the suit, which is, which is kind of why I was thinking about that. I mean, I, it's got to be right around the corner. And, and with the, the possibility, you know, with Ollie maybe out of commission for a few episodes... Um, Maybe Ray steps up, right. and that's when well, it happens. And that's what they've said is going to happen. Ollie's gone for a few, and you're going to have Arsenal. Oh, what did he? I forgot what Diggle calls himself when he wears the costume. He has but a costume. Said, well, Does he's he going to wear. He's going to wear the Arrow costume again, like oh, he has okay. before. And he has okay. some funny nickname he calls himself. Like I think it's like Black Arrow or something like that. Okay, okay. It's something terrible. But he's going to wear that. You'll have Felicity. And so I think we're going to see them doing it, and you're going to see a vacuum where crime kind of steps back up, and that's when Palmer will put on the suit. And uh, so we'll, I think we'll see him shrink pretty quick. Now the it's, question is, I just don't know. Vixen, he, I can see how that show gives them something different, kind of how Flash gave us something different from Arrow. I'm not sure an Adam show – I just don't know what the hook is there or what the difference is to make it stand out from the oh, other si- Team science. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you just all, basically all you have to do is almost a Tony Stark type thing, and you're good to go, except he's not a dick. Yeah, I think he's been killing it on the show. Oh, he's fantastic. He's great. I See, and that's I, I always felt like it was a real shame that Superman Returns was such a turd. Because Brandon Routh is great. Yeah, I thought he was a great Superman. Just the movie, it's the story of the movie uh, was just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, a great, really great cast. Because, um, I mean, obviously Kevin Spacey is pretty much anything is going to be good. Uh, although it would have been nice if he hadn't channeled Gene Hackman quite so much. But, uh, you know, that was the sort of what they were going for. Let's not talk about that movie. Yeah. Instead... Since we've talked about, I think we can all agree that uh, Arrow is kind of the pinnacle of superhero TV right now. Like, I I think it's probably the best of the superhero shows that we're going to talk about tonight. Would you guys agree? I don't know. I go back and forth between liking Arrow versus Flash, because I really like Flash now. But honestly, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has stepped it up. Yeah, mine would be S.H.I.E.L.D. or... um Flash for me. Oh, I, interesting. I, just haven't seen, I haven't I haven't seen enough Arrow to call it 
because you know I'm still you know season season and a half behind. Uh, but current, what you know, what's on my DVR right now? I uh, always go right towards Shield. Uh, well, you've usually first. Seen, you've seen more Arrow than you've seen Flash. Yeah, but uh, it's I guess the Flash is more current to me because I, right, I haven't right. seen an episode of uh, Arrow in like uh, you know three or four months. Um, That's interesting. I'm glad we have differing opinions there. I think a lot of Arrow's appeal to me is how well they've built the characters, how consistently the world has been handled. There have been big changes every season, but it hasn't been it hasn't been shifts that felt like they were done to keep the show going. They were shifts that were part of the story. Like, right. oh, people don't like it when we do this, so we need to start doing this instead. There hasn't been any of that. It's all been it all feels like everything that's happened has been what's planned from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of shifts, I mean, the biggest shift for me was Shield when you had the, you know, the first half of the first season was kind of so-so. Uh, and then, uh, Captain America 2 happened and it, it just completely changed and kicked into high gear. Yeah. And I'll, I'll agree with that. The Shield, well, the first, I think the first maybe three episodes of Shield were good. The middle, it might have been more than that. It might have been the first four or five were good. And then like the middle six, were not. And like, I don't even think that they weren't great. I think they were just slow and meandering and kind of waiting for Captain America 2 to happen. Yep. Like they had to spin their wheels until that happened. Yep. Well, and they spent so much time building up. Well, are we going to move to, do we want to move to that or are we going to go to Flash? I don't know. No, let's <laughs> go to, let's go ahead and go to Shield since Shield. that's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were building up Ward, I think, and Sky. And Ward, I've ended up liking Ward so much. Yeah. Because you just can't – I like that they're really not playing. Like you don't know if he really is a complete psychopath or if he really believes all this stuff he's saying. Like they've done a really good job with that. Um, and you can definitely see – Yeah, I was, definitely, I was definitely worried about season – the beginning of season two that um, – like the first episode, it was going to be, haha, I was just kidding all the whole time. I'm, you know, I'm fine. Right. Uh, right. So I'm glad yeah. that it's, you know, they're, they're playing it out and kind of, you know, you're getting um, more of a story with it. Yeah. And I'm surprised how much Marvel really is unveiling on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, introducing the Inhumans on that show, I think was a big, not a well, risk, Kree, but it was surprising. Yeah. As surprising as it was to see the Cree. As surprising as it was to see the Terrigen Mists, I've got to say, for me, I think the biggest surprise was Absorbing Man and how well they did him. Oh, yeah, he was great. He was way better than the uh, Hulk movie. No kidding, <laughs> which, which how crazy is that? On a television budget, they, you know, not only was he visually better, but as a character, he was what he should have been. He's He's a thug. He's... You know he's he's clever, but he's he's not some gigantic big bad. He's not threatening the existence of the world. He, I mean, granted his actions are, but that's not his intent. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's a he's a thief. He's just trying to bust in, steal something, right. bust out. Right, which is what you know. If they're going to keep this Marvel Cinematic Universe going for you know decades or whatever their plan is, they need. That they need guy in the street with superpowers, right? Well, and looking at 
kind of how they're planning on that show. I mean, my theory anyway, because you know they've had the stuff where you see Mockingbird and uh, Mac. You know, they keep hinting they're doing something else and they're working for somebody else. Right. Uh, and I think they're building towards Secret Warriors is what it looks like that they're working for Nick Fury and that because you've got Daisy Daisy's one of the secret warriors you know Sky is Daisy um and so I wonder if they're going to kind of have that his little cell team together and that that's who they're working for um because I, I mean they hinted pretty well I mean a lot of people sussed out that she was Daisy and they kind of hinted here and there that he was Hyde um it was just the inhuman stuff that was different. So I'd really like to see that because I, I don't know if y'all read Secret Warriors. No. But, I uh, mean, they've got a bunch yeah, of really good characters there. Um, they've got Phobos, who's like a little kid who is Ares' son, who has like fear powers, and Yo-Yo, who's not a good character. But what ends up happening <laughs> from that is that he – Wait, 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 wait Nick, slow down. There's a character called Yo-Yo, and he's not good? Yes. No, guys, it's terrible. The power is like <laughs> she can like run – really fast and like get to an area almost like time travel but then comes right back it's not great <laughs> i mean hickman <laughs> used it pretty well sometimes but there's a reason she's gone um but that series kind of built up that fury it's how he takes shield back and rebuilds it between all secret invasion and all the storylines that happen in between evolving door of iron man and captain america and all that mess but daisy johnson ends up being the director of shield and so I kind of wonder if that's where things are going to head long term, maybe. Huh. I don't that's know. interesting. But Daisy and Johnson in the comic is 14. She's like a little kid. Realistically, because we, we've seen a little bit of obviously Coulson is the big uniting factor between the, the movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, but we saw Sif on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we've seen Nick Fury on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Wait. Yeah, we saw Nick Fury, right? Yeah, he yeah. showed up for an episode. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, realistically, do you think they'll be able to broaden the crossover to where we might see something like Sky or Daisy heading up Shield in movies five years from now or something? Yes. Do you think that's realistic? I- Yep, I think see them all in what is it? Uh, what do they call them? The Avengers, three, oh, the Infinity, Infinity, Infinity War. War or whatever. I think we're gonna see them all. They're you gonna throw everything together. They're gonna throw it all at the wall in that movie. Um, and you know they've had what's his name? Uh, Jeremy Renner has talked about that he wants to be on Shield. Gosh, I would love. Want- I was. I would love for Hawkeye and Black Widow to to be on for several episodes. Yeah, it'd be nice yeah, to see he's... Hawkeye with uh, Mockingbird on the show. And then uh, fairly recently, he was uh, like tweeting, you know, that he was out, you know, ha- getting back in the costume again for something else. But no one really knows what it's for, whether it's reshoots for Avengers or potentially a Shield, or you know what it may be. So there's, you know, there's uh, definitely a chance. I, I think of all the uh, Avengers, he and Black Widow, probably more him than uh, her, has the best chance of showing up on Shield. Yeah, because he's a lot more grounded, and you know, it, it, it makes more sense, I think. Well, and it also fits the role that he played in the movies, because you know, the first time we saw him was in Thor, um, where he was 
kind of the the sniper guy while Thor was trying to get his hammer back, and they had their fist fight. Like that, he works with Shield. Like that's still, I would like it if that's still his thing. Like he's an Avenger, but his day job is Shield. Right. But I don't, who knows where they're going with? Because uh, I mean, technically, I guess Shield isn't even really totally Shield anymore. Um, and and that's another thing to kind of speculate about. Because well, before we speculate about anything, let's talk about the road that the show is taken. We talked about the first season and how the middle was really rough. Uh, the end of the first season came back so strong that I felt bad for doubting it. Like I actually felt guilt for uh for doubting Joss Whedon and what he was doing with the show, which I don't often feel guilty about TV shows, but it was so good. It was such a strong final arc with uh Bill Paxton who was absolutely incredible. I hate they killed him. I mean, it was great when they did it. It was a good moment. Yeah, yeah I thought the uh, the moment was great. I would yeah, have liked they, to see him come back. Oh, that's right. That's Fury was in the whole finale. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then the second season, like you said, Jay, I was worried that there was just going to be kind of a reset. Um, that, you know, they, they would have... It would be like, oh, no, 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 I'm a good guy, it's cool, we're all good, everything, you know, let's go have adventures now. But it's really been a tough road for these guys. Like, they're they're not having an easy time. Uh, they do seem to still have pretty good access to resources, but, I mean, they had to go steal a Quinjet. They've had to, you know, they've really, they've stuck with the story. Right. And I kind of liked how they've been playing, uh, oh, what's his name? The general, Adrian, or Adrian Peterson's character. Yeah. Uh, what general is that? Um, the Hulk, the Hulk villain. His name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like how they've played him to where he's not a hundred percent just like, you know, evil government coming to get him. Like, he'll kind of go along with them, but there's a line. I thought they've done a good job with that leading to, Making Shield not completely evil, so that you can't have that comeback. That there's yeah, some he, that he's starting to trust. He recognizes their necessity. Talbot, that's his name. Talbot, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yeah Pazdar, Adrian Pazdar. Pazdar, yeah. Peterson, is a football player. Who, who, yeah, who was great in the portion of Heroes that was great. Yeah, oh, that show is coming back soon too. Oh, that's right, it is. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know if we'll <laughs> do one about goes. that or not. You know what I like they've gotten right this season too is the idea of super villain branding. Anytime they show any of Hydra's bases, there's just the Hydra yeah, it's symbol yes. all over the place. Everywhere. Yes. <laughs> on the pins, on the paper. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good well, call. Well, now, and it is, it is important because you want it to feel like the, the one, to me, the one flaw with the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie is that he doesn't have the skull. Because I love that movie, man. Yeah, that that bothered the shit out of me when I was a kid when that came out. Right. Because I was and like, it's... how how simple would it be just to put the goddamn T-shirt on or, you know, whatever it was, just put the skull on whatever he's wearing. Because he's wearing all black the entire time. 
They just it, never do it, and that always bugged me as a kid. It makes him not the Punisher. And yeah. If, and if they didn't have the Hydra logo on all this stuff, it would make them not Hydra. It would be it would be that thing where they're ashamed that they're a comic book. And I'm glad you're exactly that they're embracing it and they're putting Hydra everywhere. Yep. And I think the question going forward too is I don't know how much how much of the inhuman stuff can they do? You know, you've got the movie in three years. You can't show all your cards. Yeah, right. There's got to be a story or something for the movie to tell. And yeah, that right. is a long way away, isn't it? Wow, it's it's out there. And you know, we've got obviously we we've, we've seen what one, two, three, three Inhumans, four, something like that. Um, I mean, I imagine we're never going to see the family. We're not going to see Black Bolt or any of them yet. They're going to save them for the movie. So yeah, they have. It'll to. be interesting to see like who they show and which ones. Because like, unless they introduce them. And the movie is kind of the culmination of whatever they do with the storylines up until then. Yeah, that could be one way you do it. Like, that could almost, like, the Inhumans could be like the Avengers. Like, they introduce the characters, whether it's in some of the movies, like maybe they introduce somebody in Doctor Strange, they introduce a couple in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then it builds up to the Inhumans, which is the same thing the Avengers was, where everybody finally comes together. It could be right. like that, too. Well, and the rumor is that, well, it's, I don't think it's a rumor anymore, that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to be Inhumans. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I hear, is that's their workaround for mutants, which is genius. Yeah, and they changed it in the comics, too. So, like, that's now yep. comic uh, right, you know, right. uh, canon. The, uh, they've switched it over, so now that that kind of screws over the X Men, so they can't use them. Well, you know what? If, if anything that Marvel Studios can do to Dick Fox out of using their characters is fine by me, because Fox has mismanaged their Marvel stuff so badly that, like, I feel like the stuff that's been good has been purely by accident. Yeah, like the I agree. first the first two Brian Singer movies are still great. If you go back and watch them, they're still really good movies. Um, obviously, First Class is fantastic, but that's because they fluked into having Matthew Vaughn as a director, and Matthew Vaughn's fucking incredible. Um, but I, there's so much other stuff that's just a big, fat failure. And uh, I, I just... That, it bothers me that Fox has the mutants... But not as much as it bothers me that Sony has Spider-Man because of everything, Spider-Man needs to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Well, and it looks like we're starting to see the cracks in that. that yeah. There's more and more stuff leaking that it Sony might, might say, okay, you can license him back from us. Because but then the shame of that is I thought, you know, say what you will about the second movie. I thought Andrew Garfield, I think he's a fantastic Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I like him as a character. The the movies I weren't I wasn't really high on. There's parts that, that were I thought were pretty cool. Um but like the last one I was just kind of bored with. I just didn't didn't care for it. But I will see, say if I see a Spider-Man in the Avengers movie, I kind of think I want to see a kid. Like I want to see a fifteen year old, like a young kid. Like that a, would be really cool. Because that, yeah, that I think that would be really the way to like do it. Separate him. Like here's this kid in a costume, not showing his face for a long time, and that would really separate him out from hanging out with all these big superheroes. 
Okay, here's something to throw out at you guys. Um, something that started as speculation on a website probably not much bigger than Needless Things and just got picked up by site after site and turned into a rumor and turned into not something that was confirmed but something that was reported as in the works. Uh, that the kid from Iron Man 3 would be replacing Robert Downey Jr. In, in as Iron Man, not as Tony Stark, but as Iron Man, uh, because he would be 17 around the time that Robert Downey Jr. was planning on retiring from the franchise. Now, I liked that kid, and I don't like kids in movies. I thought he was great, and his role was so significant that I felt like he'd be back for something. I would be all for something happening with Tony, and not this little kid, but, you know, a few years from now, this kid takes over, and he's the one in the armor, and nobody knows it. And he's a a fucking... He's a fucking yeah. su- he's a super genius kid. He's he's the only one that can do what Tony does. Yeah, I assumed it would be like War Machine taking over at some point, but then I guess the latest rumor that I've heard was that maybe he's the one that dies in Avengers and that's what kind of kicks off the next level. Now, here's an idea with that. What if they let the kid become Iron Man? You've got Jarvis, Paul Bentney, who's going to become the Vision. Right. What if you – I wonder if Robert Downey Jr. would do – just come in and do line work and let him be the Jarvis role. And so he's got Tony in the helmet talking to him. Right, so right. So keep him around. Like, you know, he, you hear Robert Downey Jr. We have to film anything. It'll take him 10 minutes. I just like the idea of this kid trying to – like it's almost the Shazam story. The, the kid as the superhero. Right. I, I, I just think that's a neat idea. But, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it was just something I was thinking about. Back, back to television. Oh, yeah. Um, so Shield right now is on, on a really good role. I think we can all agree. Yep. Definitely. Uh, to go back to DC. Well, we'll be returning to DC for the remainder of this because Shield is all Marvel has well, right now, except for Agent except, Carter. Except, I was about but, to say, you want know, to talk about Agent Carter just real fast? Yeah, let's dip into. I've, I've only watched the first one. The second one came on while we were recording this, so obviously none of us have seen it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess technically the first two came on last week. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's still on the DVR. Um, from what I heard, it was more family friendly, so we were thinking about watching it with uh, our oldest. Uh, so that's why we we haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I think I think it's fine. Uh, oh yeah, for her, it's it's definitely it's a lot of fun. I was concerned that the setting, the '40s, might not work in modern television so well. But it's great. I think it's part of what makes the show great. But really, what makes the show great is Haley Atwell. She's amazing. Yeah, she's nailing it. And all of the different roles that she did and voices that she did and character, like when she went undercover as, uh, she was doing the American accent. 
And I, I mean, she really just owns that role. And I like the fact that she is the show. We don't have eight different people that we have to get to know. We already know Howard Stark. We already know, um, uh, well, we don't really know Jarvis, but we kind of know Jarvis. Like we're familiar with yeah. the character. Right. Um, but she's the show and you immediately get her deal and go into it and it's just really fun and action packed. And I like the fact that there are only going to be eight of them. Yeah. I think it's really good to have, they've got a start and end point. Here's your story. And then I imagine it'll end. Well, I don't know, but timeline wise, it seems like it's going to end with that when Stark comes to her and says, all right, it's time to go start shield. That was on right. the Iron Man three DVD or the Thor DVD, whichever one that was. Yeah. Um, but I think I really like how they've used Howard Stark. Yeah. You know, he's just this playboy kind of, yeah, all right. They've accused me of treason and somebody stole all my weapons. Go take care of that. Then he gets in his fast car and drives away. <laughs> like that's well, perfect. That's what he should be. And he is, it's, it's interesting because he's kind of Tony Stark, but a little darker a little more I don't give a fuck um, because here's the thing is he's the guy that made Tony who he is he's the guy that Tony's intimidated by right? so he has to be even bigger so they're using him sparingly and, and within the show you know it, we've already seen you know we've seen a bit of him in the movies we've certainly seen his influence in the movies but in the show they're using him sparingly and, and in such a way that you get the feeling like this guy is too big to be part of this stuff. Yeah, he's doing something more important right now than worrying right. about being charged of treason. Like, right. He's designing the arc reactor somewhere. and it, it, Right. He's like charged with treason. Nobody got time for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great show, though. I know we had talked the other day, too. I like the idea of, you know, if S.H.I.E.L.D. continues that every year during this break – they have like a eight episode mini series. I can't even tell you how bad I want Ant Man and Wasp in the sixties. Yeah, that would like, be pretty awesome. Like uh, a flashback, uh yes, seeing yes. seeing him full blown. Like not you know, not obviously not straight up camp like Batman sixty six, but more vibrant and colorful than the typical MCU a little brighter in tone, like they're having fun fighting crime, you know, make it sort of an obvious nod to 66 without actually having Kapow shooting up at the camera, but just a a fun crime fighting, whether it's the intro to Ant-Man or whether it's a, its own mini series next year. I would, I just want to see that so bad or both, both, you know, if, if it is the opening you know, 10 minutes or whatever of Ant-Man to establish Michael Douglas's character, then whoever they would cast in those roles, bring them back and do a miniseries with them, just like they did with Haley Atwell. Mm-hmm. And I could see them using this, too. I mean, so we've got, I mean, the Marvel Universe obviously has thousands of characters that they could use to headline a show, but I wonder if characters like Namor would be better on, like, a little eight episode you know they could get a decent actor for it and you know here have an atlantis show for a little while or i don't know because it you know, it's getting so I, crowded yeah that's why i like the uh the netflix thing which is pretty neat yeah. they have like 
you know, the four different miniseries, uh, for the different characters and they all come back at the same time, uh, you know, for one final, like join together for one final miniseries. I think that, that's going to be pretty cool. It's I, funny. There, there was a time where I would have thought there's no way in hell you get Namor on TV or in a movie. But now we've got Guardians of the Galaxy has happened. Doctor Strange is happening. You know, all these crazy things that are opening so many doors for so many other things. And not just, you know, for these comic books, but, you know, Bo and I were talking the other night about the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy and its tone and its setting have opened the door for a Masters of the Universe movie to be what it should be. Yeah, just boss it all crazy, be you right. know, true to the source material and just go do it. Yeah. I mean I mean they're they're really Marvel in so many different ways is changing everything about television and movies and it's it's amazing that they're the ones doing it. Uh um, well, I think it's a big contrast to DC. You know, DC has been you know dragging their ass forever and you know you you see the comparisons all the time where you know DC's afraid to do anything other than a Batman movie, but then, you know, Marvel's like, you know, here's Guardians of the Galaxy with a talking raccoon and a talking tree. And, um, so I think they're, they're really mining the, uh, the characters. It's fear, fear is running DC. I mean, that, that's all that is, is Marvel. At one point, you had Kevin Feige say, fuck it, we're going to go for it with Iron Man of all people. And we're going to let a director do what he wants to do. We're going to stay true to the spirit of the comic book. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And DC is afraid of that. They, they, they don't have faith in the audience or in their characters to do something like that. I think that perfectly ties into Gotham. Let's talk about Gotham. Gotham reeks of DC being afraid to just put a show on and let it roll without throwing in every Batman villain you've ever heard of. <laughs> and like, hey, look, the Riddler's on this week. Come on, don't you want to watch our show? Like, well, and, and but but before we get any further, I want to say I thoroughly enjoy Gotham. Uh, I can't say that. It's, really? Oh, if God. it was I I think if it was not uh, comic book related, not DC related. I would have stopped watching it. Uh, my wife tapped out a few ep- a few episodes ago. I mean, I, I think it's gotten better, but there was times in the first few episodes that it was just like laugh out loud bad. Um, See, I I kind of like uh, it has sort of a, a a knowledge of what it's dealing with, and I like that. I, I love the penguin. I love Fish Mooney. I really, I love all the characters on the show except for Jim Gordon and Barbara. See, I like, I really like Jim Gordon and I like Bullock and I like, really? uh, I can't stand the guy. I cannot stand Jim Gordon on that show. I, I, I like him. I, I don't know. I, I don't, for whatever reason, he, you know, he doesn't come across that bad. It's just some of the dialogue, like some of the, Situations he's in are just so poorly written that it just seems seems bad. Like the first episode, it just seemed like it was the end, you know two hours or what it was it was it two hours or just one hour, but whatever it was was just a, the entire time was like eh eh check it out eh get it get it <laughs> yeah and it was that first episode was so busy 
Yeah. Um, they they really blew their load with that first one. My problem with Gordon is I feel like he's cost. He he's just Kevin Costner. He he doesn't emote very well. I don't really care about him. Uh, he's gotten a little better. Uh, I liked him a little more with the Arkham episode. Yeah, I liked him a little better. I, the show kind of turned around for me. The the big penguin episode, I can't remember which one it was called, but the one where you kind of found out what he was doing. I feel that like he, since that then he had a vision. Yeah, I think since then the show's gotten better. Yeah, and they seem to be throwing less stuff at you all the time. Um, my kind of issue with Gordon is that it seems like they can't decide. They want him to be, you know, what Gordon is supposed to be in year one, the Boy Scout that won't take money that won't do this but then he keeps like pretending that he's going to you know what i mean like he pretended right, right, to shoot yeah he pretended to do this he pretended to do that and, and that's not what gordon's supposed to right do. that's not gordon my where they the first for me personally the first big stumble with gordon was in the first episode when they were tracking trying to track down uh the killer or whatever and the guy was one guy was beating up Jim Gordon and Bullock had to shoot him. And Jim Gordon would not have had a problem with that guy. Yeah. He would have handled his shit. This is not the Jim Gordon that took out Flass. Right. And I, you know what? And that's another thing that bothers me about Gordon. And, and he, he's my sore point of the show, which is, which is definitely an issue because he's the main character. Uh, I don't like that he's from Gotham. No, he shouldn't be. And I understand that the, once again, that is the creative's lack of faith in the audience. They're like, well, we've, we've got to make him from Gotham. So he has a reason to care about the city. It can't just be that his character is so strong he wants to do the right thing. We've got to tie him to the city. I don't like that he's from Gotham. Uh, and he's not, he's not the year one Gordon. He's not that soldier. He's not that experienced Green Beret guy. Right. And I think Gotham with Gordon has the same problem a lot of the shows have with the, where there's an ending they have to get to. So, you know, right. Gordon realizes that he can soldier on and be that good guy because now there's Batman. There's somebody else that's also bucking the system. Right, right. And he has an ally, and Gordon's not going to have that for 10 years. So and, how and do that's, you... That's my biggest issue with the whole show, I think, is the to make it a prequel because you know that it's destined. Um, what's going to happen, I think they would have... Uh, been uh much better served to do like at the Gotham PD uh where Batman's around you just don't see him necessarily yeah. Yeah, um yeah. and because like right now like the penguin he's going to you know say Batman's going to be around 10 years you know all these uh villains are going to be you know 40 50 years old when Batman's 20 well and yeah. not only that but they're going to be established which which is a big problem and and this is here here is my this is an elseworld story Right. Basically, um, because, you know, one of the themes of the Batman comic book is, well, are all of these crazy, sick villains around because of Batman? Yeah, because it's a response. There's a crazy person in a bat right. beating up regular criminals, so uh, regular criminals become crazy people right. uh, in response. So, And now the crazy people are there before Batman, and it, it just... On, on a lot of levels, the show doesn't work, but I really enjoy watching it, and I think it's mostly the actors that I like. 
Uh, I love Bullock, but I've been a fan of, uh, I'm such a big fan, I can't remember his fucking name. Daniel um, Logan. And Daniel Logan? Denal. Something. Something. Uh, anyway, He's I've that liked, guy. I don't know. I've seen him in a ton of stuff, but I've always right. liked him. Uh, he, he was on that comedy show. The first time I ever saw him was on that yeah, comedy he was the show dad where he was the Fox dad. Something. Donald Logue. Donald, there we go. Um, and, and I loved him on that, and he's been in a lot of other things as a bit part. But I, I love him as Harvey Bullock, uh, and I love the way they're telling his story. How he's slowly coming around. You know, it's not like he's a straight cop now, but he respects Gordon. And I love the one episode where you saw, oh shit, Bullock used to be a good guy, and he just got beaten down by Gotham but yeah. now he sees in Gordon that maybe there's a chance like I, I love what they've done with his story and his character yeah I think he's been good I just it's just so long like how long can you have a crazy little Pamela Ivy or whatever her name is on the show now wandering the streets like how long are we going to see her and well, I don't know but, but and, and again it's not really right for the character of Poison Ivy but I like her. It's, a, it's an interesting story. <laughs> yeah, I like her. She's she's sick. There's something wrong with her. She's looked worse every time we've seen her. Something's going on there. We don't know what it is. It it may not be right, but it's compelling. Yeah. Which is the same thing with the penguin. This is not penguin's story. This is not this is not who Oswald Cobblepot is. He's supposed to come from one of the richest families in Gotham. Uh but it's compelling and the guy playing Oswald is, I mean, he's the real star of the show. Oh, he's great. And it's interesting how they've recognized that and, and how he really is kind of central. I love Maroney. I love Falcone. The guys they've got playing those guys are, are incredible. I really like the, that, you know, the time frame is an issue, but at the same time, I really like the idea that we're seeing Maroney and how he's coming up and taking care of Falcone and 20 years from now or whatever when Batman uh cuz I think isn't Batman supposed to be like 27 or 30 or something when he first comes yeah. back? Yeah, he's supposed to be around 27. Right. So, but I I kind of like the idea that you know 15 years from now Maroney's going to be comfortable and and in his spot is the the crime lord. Like I, there are a lot of elements that are really cool, and there are things that, as far as the comic book is concerned, are not correct and are not how these characters are. But if I want that, I'll read the comic book. Right. As far as being a television show, that's something different. This is interesting. But Jay, I don't know if you're like as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if you're right. If it didn't have Gotham and everything attached to it, I don't know if I'd be watching it or not. Yeah, it, uh, you know, like I said, fair, that's it, a fair it, point. It, it's kind of on the low end. Like of all the the comic book shows that are on TV right now, I think it's probably my least favorite of of all of them. Um, I, I think I look forward to pretty much everything else more than this one. Um, you know, from Shield to Flash to Arrow to um, uh, Constantine. It's a, sh- it's a shame. That's where I was headed. It's a shame Sarah's not here. Uh, 
because to talk about Constantine, uh, another show that's got a lot of good things going on, but to me that's the one that, I mean, I enjoy watching it, but out of all of them, it's probably the one I least look forward to. Uh, and it's not, it just hasn't built up yet. It hasn't found itself yet. Yeah, it's trying. Right. There was a couple episodes, uh, maybe three or four episodes whenever his buddy came back. Um, there was kind of the, um, direct, uh, lift from one of the earlier comics. I thought that was a really solid episode. Uh, I think it looks great. I think he, he, he looks like him. You know, I, I think there's a lot of positive things with it. And I think they're trying to do what they can on NBC. I think one of the, the limiting factors for them, unfortunately, is that they are on NBC. I think this is one of those that would have been much better served to be on like, you know, uh, FX. FX or AMC or Showtime or HBO or something to where they can, you know, do a little more and actually make him more of the, the bastard he is in the, uh, um, comics. But, I, you know, I think so far they've done a pretty good job with it. Uh, well, and the actor, um, what's his, Matt Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Matt Ryan has said that the bastard turn is coming. That he's, they had to let the audience warm up to the main character of the show. He couldn't come out of the gate as the bastard that John Constantine is, but that he's on the way. Yeah. And well, I even that one episode that. I was talking about, I mean, that was, he, he basically set up his old friend to, yes. to where like, yes. he's like, all right, well, you know, he gave him the option, you know, this is the only way to do it. You're going to have to kill yourself essentially. Um, uh, knowing that that was the, the, the long plan from, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, you've seen him smoke. I know a lot of people were complaining about the smoking. Um, I don't think you saw it in the first couple episodes, but definitely by, you know, halfway through, there was definitely, uh, you know, a few times you see him smoking. Um, that honestly, for me, that's not an issue because that as much as, yes, we all relate that to Constantine, we all relate that to the Hellblazer comic, but as long as they're getting the character right, which for the most part they are, he's not enough of a dick yet, but Matt Ryan, when I look at him, he's John Constantine. Yeah, absolutely. He is. He's, they've he, definitely nailed the look of him. Yes. And the, and, and the smoking and was never acting. a big deal to me either, but no, yeah, that I was one of them. The big fanboy, you know, uh, complaints about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, no, I think that's silly. And I mean, he has really since the, even in the first episode, uh, they, they don't ever show him actually smoking, but he'll be putting out cigarettes or he'll be standing there with a cigarette. Most of the episodes have featured him interacting with cigarettes, but like right. I said, I don't give a shit about that. As but again, I, I think that's the, right. the, the, fa- uh, the fact that he's on NBC and like, they, right. they, they right. can't do that. There, you know, there's, you know, it's just like with the X-Men movies, you see Wolverine chewing a, uh, cigar, but you don't see him smoking it, uh, for right. the most part. Um, whereas in the comics, that was the biggest thing for, for a very long time that he, you know, he was a huge uh, cigar smoker. Cause why not? Cause healing factor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I, I really, I love the characters on Constantine. They've done a great job with that. I think the issue really so far has been that it's been a little too episodic and that they haven't settled into a rhythm really. It's felt one of the, one of the biggest things Constantine has going against it is that Supernatural has already done everything that Constantine is trying to do. Yeah, I've never um, seen that show, so I'm not familiar with it. It's, 
if if you're aware of Supernatural, if you've seen the show, Constantine is essentially the same show. And I'm fairly certain a lot of people watching Constantine that that maybe because if you're not a fan of the comic, you're probably watching it because you're a TV fan. You've probably seen Supernatural, and that's a tough road, man, because that show's done a lot of stuff really, really well. Uh, and and it's got to find its own tone, and I think it's been trying to do that. I think it's conscious of not doing the same thing that Supernatural and the X-Files and all these other shows have done. And that's hard, man, because it's you kind of do have to have a monster of the week, but at the same time, you've got to keep your own tone, and I think it's hard to have a, a tone when you're having, oh, look, in this episode... You know, this evil preacher is doing this thing. And then in this episode, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, Shield kind of had the same issue because, uh, you know, the, the, the middling part of Shield, like we talked about earlier, and that was kind of the, the rut they were in. It was just the, uh, uh, bad guy of the week. And, right, you know, they right. find out about him in the beginning of the episode. They investigate him. Something happens. This week, then, our heroes go to Brazil yeah. to look at a pyramid. Right. Well, that's and what the so, scheduling. You know, I think it's going to kill Constantine because you're about to get to, you know, if you've read the comics, the way they've kind of ordered it is you're about to get to the Resurrection Crusade and the man and all that stuff that kind of starts to. And Felix freaking Faust. How yeah. How crazy is that? Faust, they're starting to do some long-term story, but then they got cut off at 13 episodes. I know, and it's such a shame because, and this is what I was getting to, just like Gotham uh, or at least how I feel about Gotham and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Shows take, you know, six, seven, eight episodes to feel themselves out and to get rolling. Yep. If you go back and look at any show, almost any show, sometimes the entire first season isn't steady. Um well, yeah. you know, Buffy the Vampire that was, Slayer. That was exactly my uh, uh, example. I was just about to say is because uh, recently we went through and watched every uh, episode of Buffy, and yeah, the first season, especially when you watch it back to back to back, uh, it's tough to get through. Yeah, it it's really wasn't bad. until second season that it that that's when it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. This is you know this right. is great, and and that's what it was. Is that first season of Buffy was only thirteen episodes, and and when I say it's tough to get through, um. It's not bad by any means, and I, I actually like it more now than I did the first time I watched it. But, you know, all the clever Joss Whedon dialogue is there, but the actors are clumsy. They're not used to their characters yet. They're not used to the show yet. They don't know exactly what the tone is. Sometimes it's really fucking corny, and sometimes it's too serious, and that, like, they, they just, it took them the first season basically to get a feel for the show. And now Constantine, which, you know, it has 13 episodes just like Buffy did. It's just going to be a question of does it get to the next 22? Well, they're saying, you know, everything, you, know, you got it is the internet, so you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But everything sure. that you're seeing, at least I'm seeing, is that, uh, while they didn't pick up the, the second half um, of this season, that the, you know, the ratings were increasing every single week. Um, they, they were making a big uh, promotional push. You know, they were on um, the Thanksgiving parade on NBC, and so that you know they're, they're thinking that it, it it actually looks pretty good for a second season. Speaking of the Thanksgiving parade, did you see what the promotion? What came before it? 
Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was um, Sting. Sting, yeah. It was Sting. What, what, they obviously did that on purpose. Like, somebody knew yeah. that Sting is the basis of Constantine. That's funny. And put it on. But also, NBC is not going to be the first one to fail. Nobody wants to be the first comic book show to fail. Yeah, and I th- I honestly do think that's a factor. Yeah. I think it would be so much egg on NBC's face if the CW pulled off two massively successful comic book shows. Yeah, they're, and, they're, they're twice as better than you are. And the thing about NBC right now, the rest of their schedule is a big pile of shit. They have no hits right now at Is it? All. I don't even know. I yeah. have no idea. <clears throat> their ratings are tanked across the board. So it's not oh, like okay. this is like their one show that's failing. And then the rumor is that Constantine is going to be the start of another, you know, spinoff like they're all doing. But oh, sure. there may be a Doctor sure. Fate show or a something Spectre. else. Spectre. I mean, they they yeah. already introduced the Spectre. They showed uh, Doctor Fate's yeah, helmet. Yeah, they showed the helmet. I can't remember what the heck it's called. It has a name. What's uh, I think it's just the helmet, but it's Naboo. The helmet of fate, yeah, and then Naboo's in it. Okay, okay. And they also showed uh, Pandora's crappy box from the New Fifty Two, so we have that to look forward to, possibly. Sure. Yeah. Well, which, but, but you know what? If they're gonna do Pandora, they have to do the Phantom Stranger. And holy shit, do I want to see the Phantom Stranger on television? Well, I would like to see the Phantom Stranger and not Judas or whoever he is. Oh, well, yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't mind that. That's not. That's not terrible, yeah. I, and it could be just an aspect. It depends on how you handle the story. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I could see the Phantom uh, uh, Stranger being more like the Twilight Zone, where he just shows up in these really weird things. Because in the comics, that's what would happen. You know, he would just yeah, randomly yeah. show up. You know, something weird would happen, and he would just you know show up. So you could always have like the episode of the week, something squirrely. I want more more than anything. I would love to see uh, Renee Montoya as the question. As a t- as a TV show, yeah. See, because I was never a big fan of Renee. I always liked uh, really uh, Vic, and so that that's one of the one thing. Uh, what was it? It wasn't Countdown. It was the the first weekly uh, series. Fifty two. Fifty two. Yeah. Because um, like that that series, you know, really showed him to be an awesome character, and then it kind of passed him on. I really like Renee as the cop. I thought she was that was the perfect role with her. Like being on the uh, Gotham uh, City uh, Police Department, being the hard-nosed uh, detective, and you know the whole Gotham PD. Like, I, I would much rather replace Gotham that's on now with the Gotham PD from the comics with Renee and Har- uh, Harvey as the two yeah. leads. I think that would be so much better than what uh, we I'll have now. With, I'll agree with you on that, and I will say this: okay, if. Uh, a question TV show, you use Vic, but only if you can get Jeffrey Combs to play him. <laughs> because he was the voice of uh, the question on Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, and he was amazing. The, Fucking incredible. There was, uh, he had so many good episodes uh, in that series. That's what made me love that character. Well, that's what made me love a lot of DC characters was Justice League Unlimited. Because, I mean, I, I my even though Batman is, is my my big favorite superhero. I'm really a Marvel guy, like X-Men mutants. Like that's really where my comic book education came from. Uh, but, but I really, the DC universe until justice league unlimited, I really didn't get into it too big, but that show, it just nails everything. Right. I, I feel like it's the best 
character portraits of everybody that's ever been in DC. And that was, that's what was really nice about the unlimited, uh, phase the last couple seasons is because it, you know, before it was just, you know, hey, these are the, the big seven or whoever we're, we're doing. Right, right. Um, but at the end it was like, all right, who do we got? You know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. What was funny, um, you, you see the Detroit Justice League in there a lot with Vibe and Steel and Gypsy. And I read an interview with an animator, um, and they basically were just a really big fan of that era of the Justice League. And so whenever it said, you know, group shot, they would always draw those same characters in <laughs> just because they liked them. And so they're, they're in so many episodes. <laughs> like, like who would have ever thought that Vibe of all people would be in multiple episodes of a, a successful uh, cartoon series. Um, but who, who, more so than that, and that's a perfect segue, yeah. Jay, well done. More so than that, who would have ever thought Vibe would be a main <laughs> character on a live-action TV show where we will uh, we'll head into Flash to close this thing out? Oh, Flash. It's so good. And it's I think part of it being so good is the comparison you get with Arrow. Like right, having wait, them before before we get anywhere else, you've got to you've got to repeat the quote that you sent us about the treadmill. Oh God, which one? About him running on the treadmill. Oh God, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, Flash. Oh yeah, just keep running on that treadmill <laughs> yep. so I can keep storing up all that speed yeah. force. How is he not noticing that? Every time he's doing something, he's like, hey, hey, uh, why don't you go ahead and get on that treadmill for a little while? And there's no question why he's doing it. He could be outside running. He could be anywhere. He's just got this thing. There's like wires coming to it. And he's just like, hey, right. yeah, keep on keep on with that. I'm going to go down was, the hall. And do they not notice that he goes down the hall all the time? And That like, was such a good observation. Just, and just I, I randomly disappears. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah, but that yeah, that about the treadmill, dude. When you when you sent that message, I was I was crying. I had tears coming God. out of my eyes from laughing at it because I it didn't even I, I didn't catch it. I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh shit, that's so right. This guy is so evil. Yeah. But that's the genius of the show. Is just like on Shield, we really don't know yet if Doctor What's his name because we're still. Only halfway through the first season, and I don't learn character names until the second season of a show ever, because why get attached? It's like learning the name of your buddy's girlfriend until she's been around for a year. There's really no point in getting to know her. (laughs) So... And uh, so, you know, I'm the same way with TV shows. I don't know anybody's name until the second season. So, Dr. Professor Guy in the wheelchair. Wells, yeah. We, We don't really know well he might well, be they've, they've kind of announced it recently unfortunately today they had a press conference oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i saw an interview with that today stuff. That i try not to i try not to <laughs> i don't follow i don't follow any shows i watch on facebook or twitter or anything else i don't because i fucking hate spoilers i don't want to know that shit but if they announced it what what did they announce i don't know what did they do it's wells yeah, they, they oh, it is well. Yeah, they straight up said that he's the reverse flash. He is the reverse flash. Yeah. Okay. But and that, like, uh, the big fight scene. scene that they were in with the stadium, that was straight up him. He was in the suit. Oh, he just, really? uh, digitally, you know, made him, you know, blurred his face. Blurred him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love that effect so much. But they definitely made sure to follow that up with, but there's a reason Eddie has that name. Like, well, and yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like, Eddie, we haven't seen one bit of 
villain in him. Like, even when he was at odds with the Flash, he totally had reason to be. Like, he's, he's fucking Polly Pureheart. Yeah, I just don't like him because uh, of the name. Uh, right, right, right. That's it. And, That's the and, only and reason. just him being involved with Iris, you know. Is, is, if his name was Bob Newton, you wouldn't have a problem with him. Other than that's kind of a bad name, and it sounds like Bob Newhart, and that's nobody wants to relate a superhero show to Bob Newhart. Um, I think my favorite thing about the Flash, and we've talked about this, but that they've set up Barry, and by putting him on Arrow first and having him meet, you know, Team Arrow, meeting Diggle, and meeting Felicity. It kind of served two purposes. It let when their show started, we didn't have to like spend all this time like making him used to like oh i need a team of people to help me right you know i i just know that this is what a superhero does but then on the other hand where i think it's really going to pay off on the end is that he trusted these people immediately like yeah this is my team like arrow has a team but his team has reverse flash and killer frost on it and at some point they're gonna turn on him and I think it's right. going to be great to see how they play that, like with his Barry super positive all the time, and then realizes that he's been hanging out with the bad guys the whole time. Well, I well, do like uh, you know not watching it, you know being so far behind the Arrow. I do like how they played that up on the crossover. Um, you know how his was more of the sunnier, happier mm-hmm. world, and then Arrow was more of the darker, scarier you know uh, world. Uh, so I thought they played that off pretty well. Uh, well, and that's going to be comparing contrast. That's going to be the trick that that they get to pull off with Flash is Ollie got put put through the ringer, but he wasn't a great guy. So you kind of had to have another cast of characters around him to to deal with what he was dealing with, whereas Barry is a super guy. So when he gets, you know, when he gets into the shit, it's going to be painful to watch yeah it's gonna be rough it's gonna be great right and you know how i i think it's real ballsy of them i mean they're gonna go for the crisis or they're hinting that the crisis is gonna occur at some yeah point. how insane is that like <laughs> yeah i mean it's according you know according to the the newspaper it happens so <laughs> yeah uh you know we'll, we'll you know may if we get there in 10 years or whatever it is uh you know They'll come up with something, but well, at that point, other... you got to figure there's so many DC characters that are going to be populating this uh, uh, TV universe that they're going to be able to, to pull something together. Well, the other interesting thing about that newspaper is the fact that it mentioned Wayne Industries. Right. I thought I, I thought I saw, saw something as recently as the last day or two that said that uh, Batman is not off the table for Arrow. Yeah, I believe I saw a headline that said that same thing, which is kind of insane i mean i think we'll get mentions of it i don't know if we'll ever see them but i kind of wonder if they'll start to maybe mention metropolis and mention gotham that these are places that are around because there are i mean they're mentioning you know carol or ferris air has already been on the show yeah coast city gets mentioned a lot like they're definitely building up a big universe which is great and i like flash is great too because they don't pull punches with like their villains like they're putting them in the costumes those new pictures of captain cold you know that's a big blue jacket with a cold gun and sunglasses Dude, Went- wentworth wentworth miller was such a perfect choice for that character and i hope i'm not fucking his name up that's right wentworth miller yeah i wasn't really familiar with him but i thought i thought he, he was on great. he was on prison break 
Okay, yeah, um, that's where he was. Yeah, he, which, he seems uh, familiar, but I, I never watched that show. I, I think I watched the, the first episode, and that was about it. The first season of that show, and I didn't want to watch it because I thought it looked stupid. And it kind of is stupid, but it's also fucking awesome. Uh, I highly recommend you at least give it a two or three episode chance if it's still on Netflix. I ended up loving the first season and then like two episodes into the second season, I just gave up. I, I didn't like the second season at all, but he is great. He plays Captain Cold perfectly. He's, he's a bad guy and that's it. Yeah. There's no, there's no tortured spirit. There's no, he's a, He's just a bad guy, right. and I love it. Now, I hope we do get to the rogues, like the code they have, though, eventually. When we have yeah. all the rogues, and they're close. I mean, we have, what, Heat Wave, Captain Cold, Rainbow Raider. on his way. Yep. Uh, Trickster. Okay, now, wait a minute. What's the deal with Weather, Weather Wizard? Because they already had... So, if you remember in that episode, he says he was on that plane with his brother... Oh, and okay, so okay. it's going to be his brother. Yeah, they killed okay. the first one, and then the brother will have the same powers because he was on the same plane. Right, right. Okay. Now, that's, did you read that's, who's playing the trickster? Uh, uh, did I read it, Mark Hamill? It's Mark well, no, Hamill. Right? He's, He's back. the original one, right? But then there's a newer person taking on the uh, the. Uh, oh, that's the wonderful. Name. So they go back. He's in prison or something. Yeah. And so they go back and interview him to try and figure out. Uh, Oh, that's his awesome. I love that. And that's I love so to good. have uh, John Wesley Ship on there, too, as his dad. Yeah, yeah, that's and really good. Ian and Luke got into the – my sons got onto watching that the 90s Flash show because it's on Netflix, I guess. Yeah. And then Flash – I let them watch Flash, and they got a real kick that that was him. They think that's the greatest thing ever. I just, I, yeah, I think it's a great, uh, great casting. That was, uh, when I first heard that, I was really excited about the show. Cause I thought that was, uh, uh, really cool that, that, you know, they were, they got it and were, you know, trying to, um, go back to some of the older stuff. Well, and that's what it is. It's, it's all about acknowledging where this material is coming from. And if you're ashamed of it, then you're not handling it right. right. But if you can, if you can kind of smile and say, "Yeah, we've we've done this before. Let's let's give a little shout out here. Let's cast this guy here. Let's throw this directly comic booky thing in here." Like, if you can tell when the people running the show know what they're doing and have an appreciation for what they're adapting. Now, what I really hope Flash is going to do, and I think they're going to do it. It seems like there's been, you know, starting with Arrow, you know, you just started straight Arrow punching thugs. And then we slowly right. got introduced to superheroes and powers. And then we got to Flash, you know, more superpowers. And now we're getting to time travel. I really hope we're going to get to alternate universes. I want to see him cross over into Earth 2 or, you know, have Jay Garrett go somewhere else and, hey, yeah, here's this yeah. Jay Garrett guy. And I think they're going to do it. They're well, definitely I mean, obviously going to do time travel. Well, they already in, are. But in this in the same vein as Guardians of, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy setting the example for fantastic, more fantastic movies, uh, uh, really more like what we had in the 80s, uh, you've got, uh, shit, science show, crazy, Fringe. Yeah. Uh, you've got Fringe that was hugely successful and played around with all of the things that comic book shows, 
particularly DC comic shows want to play with. So you've already got kind of a, you know, you can go to the network and say fringe did parallel universe. Not only did they do parallel universe, it was, it was a huge part of the show. I mean, it was the basis of the show. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you have an example set. Somebody's already opened that door. It's not like, when the showrunners go to the CW and say, this is the idea we have, that it hasn't been done. It hasn't been successful. And I'm just waiting for Grodd. <laughs> well, and you know what? That's, I, well, Grodd, and that's what, another amazing thing is Grodd's there. We already know it. We yeah. see his cage. Yeah, they, they said he's not going to happen this season, but it, uh, maybe next season if they can, uh, have the budget for the, uh, sure. special effects, but, yeah, and the I fact want, that they're dropping those hints is pretty yeah. awesome. And but going back to the Justice League Unlimited, I don't know who was it that voiced Grodd on that show, but I want him for Flash too, because that's he Grodd. Was, it was somebody big too. Yeah. I, I can't remember who it was, but it was a name. Like because everybody, I mean, to me, Clancy Brown will always be Lex Luthor. Oh yeah. Um, and I always wanted to see Michael Rosenbaum actually get to play flash but obviously he's uh he's a little old now although how about him as jay garrick yeah that would work especially because you know you've got jay garrick if they kind of stick with new 52 kind of stuff you know jay garrick is younger now in earth too so yeah they do uh, yeah exactly he could be you know alternate universes and uh, there's nothing to say that he has to be uh 60 years old right he doesn't have to be a super old guy yeah yeah, but Flash is definitely, I think, I, Flash is at the top, I think. I, I really like Flash and what they're doing. Anything else you guys want to get in before we close? Well, I think, I mean, I think the next kind of wave and where things are going and what's going to be interesting to see are the Netflix shows. Um, I guess they announced Daredevil is premiering in April. Is April, that right? Yeah, April, April this year. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, so I, I don't like, well, I hate that they're saying that the shows are going to release every April. I think that's too far apart. Well, no, they, what they said is a year-ish. It could be eight months, it could be 15 months. God, I just think so, it's too long. Yeah, they haven't even but, started filming the, uh, the next Jessica, one, Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones which so they're they saying said, now that could be over a year away before that's yeah, released. Which is unfortunate, but at the same time, like with great comic books, I would rather them take their time and put out a great product Right. Then just try to get it out on a schedule. Let me ask you guys this about Daredevil, since it's the only one we really know anything about. Uh, it, it's, now we don't, we don't know for sure because we haven't seen it. We won't know until we see it. It seems like they're really going more the Frank Miller route with it. Uh, I really would have loved to see Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. What's funny about that is if you would have asked me the same question, like, six years ago i would have said oh yeah frank miller daredevil absolutely that's right. who daredevil is but right. yeah after this latest run of wade's daredevil being so great that's what i want to see but i wonder if part of what's made wade's daredevil so good was the departure from frank miller you know well, like the, you yeah, had from the yeah not only frank miller but also bendis for the longest time yeah right. so I, I think it's it, it, it's kind of a refreshing take because uh, it is amazing. It's like, uh, I think one of the best Marvel books they've put out over the last few years. Um, but I, I think with the whole, 
Daredevil by himself, maybe you could do the weight thing, but the fact they're trying to tie it into more of the street level crime, uh, with the other characters, that, uh, because they're trying to keep it low key and street level type stuff, that that, that's why they're gravitating more toward the, um, um, uh, Miller stuff. Cause I think Wade, you have to have the, uh, response to the, you know, the, the lighter versus the darker and, you know, the, the, the whole issue with everybody kind of knowing who Daredevil is. I mean, I think he was walking around in a t-shirt that says, I'm not Daredevil. Right, right. And one, now, one of the, uh, uh, issues. See, well, I think stuff like that though may happen on the show. Well, because, that's the thing. Like, they could a, incorporate it all. Yeah, like in a real world, like street crime kind of show, it's not like Daredevil's gonna be all over the city. He's not gonna be fighting like huge bad guys. He's only gonna be in Hell's Kitchen. You know, he's probably gonna be a Hell's Kitchen problem. Like it's not something you'd see on CNN. So it makes sense that people will be like, you know what, I bet that guy right there, that's Daredevil. And so it can kinda go around the neighborhood. You know what well, I mean? Right. And I think, I think to a certain extent they will have to incorporate both versions because Frank Miller's Daredevil is not going to fit in with the tone of the MCU. Because in general, while dramatic things happen, in general there's a lighter tone to that. It's not Batman Begins. It's not the dark, gritty uh, universe. It's not totally grounded in reality. It's a little lighter. It's a little more fun. It's It's more about adventure than it is about drama, although, I mean, obviously there's plenty of drama. But I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I, think, I don't think you're going to see anyone getting AIDS in the right. middle of this one. Yeah, and, right. And uh, ODN on heroin. Right. Um, I think they're going to, you know, it's going to be darker potentially, but not, not as dark. But really what I'm looking forward to most on that show is Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. Just the look he has when he came out at Comic-Con, like, he looks perfect. It's going to be. I really think he's going to nail it. Yeah, I and I like. I didn't see the said, photos, but he. I think he's always awesome in whatever he does. So. And I like they've said they're going to hold back Bullseye and Electra and the rest of all of them for a little while at least to kind of let it get its footing and probably yeah. distance itself from the movie a little bit. I agree. I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. And I think that was one of the problems with the movie that was trying to cram a little too much in. You know, because it was like the movie pretty much ended, and then it's like, oh yeah, well I guess I better go fight Kingpin, and so you right. know they, sh- they really should have ended it and let you know let it you know come come back for a sequel if it was good enough. But yeah, um, I think the movie could have been totally the story of Matt Murdock and not even had necessarily one big villain. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that was the issue is having Bullseye and Kingpin in there and and having to wrap that up just didn't work. Yeah. Now, going off away from Daredevil for one last thing, do you think at some point – this discussion's happened a lot with the movies, and I think TV it's going to come up more that the market's going to get saturated. No, with because you know you've gotten all these Superman superhero shows, but then going forward, you know we're looking at Preacher, Eyes Zombie. Well, here's the thing. Though. Oh God, that looks rough. Here's the thing: <laughs> superhero is not a genre. That's true. Superhero movies, movies, movies and television based on comic books, they can be comedies, they can be dramas, they can be action adventure. Superhero is not a genre. And that's where I think people that say, oh, it's going to get overly saturated. Oh, it's going to get, people are going to get sick of it. Um, 
I, I don't think that's true. I think they'll get sick of shitty ones because as big as it is, just purely numbers-wise, they're going to be shitty ones. They're going to be yeah. ones that aren't good. They're going to be ones that don't catch on. But thing adaptations of comic books are not going anywhere. Yeah. I think yeah. it's too easy. There's there uh it's already a proven source material. You know, it's basically a screenplay that's already written. Right. I mean hell a lot of the comics these days it seems like they're writing them to be movies almost. Yeah. Um so like you said, there there's so many different things. Like uh in especially the more um kind of offbeat comics a lot of people would never even know their comics like road to perdition i guarantee you know half the people that saw that had no idea that was based on a comic yeah um and so uh, i i think you know there's gonna uh, be some, a failure whether it's gotham whether it's constantine or whatever it may be you know one of these is not gonna stick um you know there's gonna eventually be be one that doesn't work but i think there is enough out there that um there, there will still always be adaptations of them. Well, and especially with the amount of of venues there are between Netflix and television and Amazon and Sony, and, uh, yeah, I mean, PlayStation Network, whatever the hell, right. whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, powers Sony's is doing. To. Yeah, Sony's doing Powers. There's so many different avenues now for things to make it out there that that we're we're not in a three network world anymore. You know, when something fails on NBC, that doesn't kill whatever that thing was. If if a supernatural horror show fails on NBC, you know, back in the day, CBS and ABC shied away from them for years right. because it didn't work. Yeah, but now now, now that's just an NBC problem, right? Not, not you know, FX not, doesn't yes. care, Netflix doesn't care. If they see something they think is going to be cool, they're going to do it. Um, I mean, for God's sake, CBS is making a Supergirl show. CBS yeah, makes yeah, CSI yeah. shows. The yeah. old people network is making a Supergirl show. Yeah. But. So yeah, I think, I think we're, uh, we're going to be having the same conversation uh, again in a year and, and I think we'll have even more to talk about. There, there's going to be more out there. We'll have, you know, by this point we'll have seen Daredevil. We'll know what's happening there. Uh, we'll be into the third season of Shield. We'll be into the fourth season of Arrow. I mean, there, there's second season of Flash. So much stuff is going to be going on, and it's. I, I think it's only going to get bigger and more interesting. Uh, and also, I'd just like to say, uh, I hope all the cable companies die. Yeah, that would Comcast, be nice. Charter, Time Warner, all those fuckers can go to hell. They're uh, they're changing. Uh, they just announced that uh, what ESPN. You don't have to have a cable subscription to get that. That was a, a definitely a biggie for a lot of people, myself included. Or why you know why not to unplug because of uh, you know live events. Right, right. So it's you know HBO to go is you know saying it's becoming its own thing. Yeah. So it's definitely becoming much easier to uh, unplug and yeah, the just, ha- just have internet and uh, go from there. The second I can get rid of, you know, the 800 channels with nothing on, uh, I will. Yeah. It's, it's awful. But, uh, yeah, I think superhero comic book adaptations, whatever else, they're, they're here to stay for a long, long time. It's only going to get better as people figure out the formulas and what works. And, you know, it's actors want to do this stuff. I mean, 
we're getting people like Matt Ryan who know who John Constantine is, who want to play the character, uh, or like you said, like Jeremy Renner wants to be on Shield. It's exciting stuff, and people want to do it, and it's fun. It's almost like I don't know. You guys aren't necessarily going to have a huge appreciation for this one, but back in the original series of Doctor Who, they had huge British actors coming on Doctor Who because they loved doing it because it was fun. They got to act big. They got to chew scenery. They got to wear silly costumes. They just enjoyed it. And I think we've got, you know, a similar thing is happening where this is a fun thing that people want to be a part of. Uh, look at, you know, look at all the people that have been Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, Robert Redford in superhero movies. Yep. And eventually I mean, like HBO or Showtime, one of the big boys is going to bite. And one make of them is going to grab one. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wish it had been Preacher, but, uh, right. yeah, where did, uh, we'll Preacher see. end up? Is that AMC? AMC was Seth Rogen. Well, he's just producing. He's not yeah. acting. Well, right, he's writing. Right. Yeah, he's writing and producing. But which I I love Seth Rogen, but I don't know if I love Seth Rogen doing preacher. But we'll uh, we'll probably be talking about that next year. Uh, until then, Ryan and Jay, thanks for coming on. It's great having you on as always. Anytime. Yeah. Jay, you want to plug your stuff? Obviously. Sure. Uh, uh, BelligerentMonkey.com. Uh, that's where you can see all my stuff, links to my blog and, uh, updates, news, uh, and, uh, new stuff. Lots of pop art. Uh, if you like, uh, this podcast with comics and dorkery, uh, I definitely have, uh, stuff for you on my uh, website. So check it out. And, uh, Ryan always, you, you always have, I feel like the most information of anybody. You're, you're, you you're are the most needless. Well researched person I know. Yes, yes, you're, you're needless things head researcher. That's your official yeah. title now. It pays to have a job where you have a lot of downtime where you're just <laughs> sitting there waiting for things to happen. Well guys, uh, it's great having you on and of course I look forward to next month where we will be looking at New York International Toy Fair and all the new toys, uh, that are gonna be coming out over the next year or so. Firefly six inches, here we come. Holy yeah, shit. Can't wait. Awesome. Thanks guys. Alright, thank thanks. you. That was pretty great. Lots of information there. I guess lots of opinions there. Uh, and it's now like three weeks after we recorded that. It's taken me forever to put it together. There's been so much stuff going on. Guys, I am in a weird position where usually I'll throw out four, five, six requests for interviews or shows or whatever. And I'll hear back from one person. I'm talking not even get a response from other people. I'll hear back from one person. And uh, this time, every single inquiry I sent out at the beginning of the year uh, to try and get a head start on shows for this year, I heard back, and I'm scheduling so many episodes right now, it's insane. Uh, and, and it's... I'm really trying to get my shit together. It's really exciting, but man, there's a lot going on. So be sure and check out needlessthingssite.com. Be sure and check out radiocult.com. And of course, iTunes, Stitcher, download the show. Uh, give me feedback at phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear. 
and I'm booked up for like the next two months. It's really stupid, ridiculous, and that's not even including uh, my work over on Earth Station Who, and of course the newly launched Earth Station MCU about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is really cool. So check that out as well. You can find those at esopodcast.com. And I think that's it. Is that it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all I've got for you this time. I'm going to be back next week. Me and Michael Gordon talk Batman 66. It's really, really good. I like it. And I'm actually getting ready to cut the intro for it right now. So there you go. I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.